Good morning, everybody. Good to have you all here on this cold, frosty morning, huh? It's really good to be together, and I'm glad uh, we didn't let this stop us from getting together uh, today. Uh, my name's Tim, and if you're a first-time guest, I know there's a, a, maybe a few of you here that aren't. Listen, we're so glad that you chose to come and worship with us today. You, if you hope you got a bulletin, because in it we have a few things that's coming up, as well as some notes if you want to follow along. We tend to use PowerPoint not because the big churches do it, but because it's a really great teaching tool. We use it so that we can look at scriptures together and we're able to cover more that way. But if you're wanting to follow along in the Bible, knock yourself out uh, because uh, we believe in looking at the scriptures here at Greater Alton. Uh, we're starting a new series today called God of the Tao. I've, I've mentioned that last week and last week was a blast. And thank you guys for setting things back up. Uh, it's wonderful to see uh, we have a lot of volunteers here that make this possible. Uh, and last week I said something about that we were going to be focusing on this idea of servanthood and asking God to give us the heart of a servant. There's actually a song that says that, give me the heart of a servant. Um, and so we're asking God to do that. You might say, why are we focusing a year on serving? Why, why that particular topic? Well, there's two reasons. If you look in your notes up here on the screen, let me give them to you. One is God made you and I to serve. He made us to serve. Look at the Bible says here in Ephesians 2. God has made us what we are. He has created us in Christ Jesus to live lives filled with good works that he has prepared for us to do. So you and I have been made to minister. We've been, we have been created to serve others and to serve God. Another reason is God wants me to serve. That's his desire. One of the reasons he came to this earth was to save us, but also to show us what to do with these saved lives, and that's serve others. Look at Mark 10 with me. Jesus said this, follow my example. Even the Son of Man did not come for people to serve him. He came to serve others. He says, follow this example. I want you to serve other people. There's something exciting about living this life of service, something rewarding about this. I'm hoping next week we can talk about what happens when I pick up the towel. You know, what happens in my life? One of those things is he wants to bless our lives. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. And when we live this life of service for our master, we live the best life that's possible that we've been created for. And so Jesus comes to this earth to show us how to serve and shows us also why to serve and shows us what's at the heart of service. What's the real reason for that? That's what I want to talk about today. What's at the heart of serving? What's the big why behind what we do and how long we do it. Now, one of the greatest examples of service that Jesus, we see him uh, serving others is when he serves his disciples in an upper room. And we're very fortunate to have an eyewitness, a guy that was actually there, write down what he saw. And this is, the, this is John. Look what John writes here in John 13, verses 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He knows, he's, he knows what's ahead, and he knows he's going back to his Father. He's going back to heaven. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. 
took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you're going to understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. It's interesting. Here's an example of somebody saying no to Jesus, and it's not good. (laughs) Okay. He says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. See, a Palestinian tradition was in Palestine was to take a bath before you went to the meal. So all these guys had taken a, a bath before they came. He goes, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. He says everyone's clean because I know your hearts. I know where your hearts really are, guys. And there's somebody here in this room whose heart isn't right. It's filthy. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. What a question. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so. That's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant's greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It's the end of a long day. I don't know how you are at the, at the end of a day, but I'm tired. And the last thing I want to do is do something else. I want to sit down, maybe a few M&Ms. It's still my vice. I might watch an old movie or I just want to sit down and kind of, what do we say, decompress. And these guys have had a long day. You know, their days, their work days were 12-hour days. Not like us wimpy people, you know eight hours when it's 12 hours and they from daylight to to dark and they're tired and the last thing they want to do is do something else and it's hours this is hours before jesus is going to be betrayed he's going to be beaten he's going to be crucified on the cross and so 13 men gather in this room 13 fellas and uh and they're eating this meal together. It's in the middle of this meal. And they're, they're eating the Passover meal. It's a celebration. And, the, you know, and so uh, Jesus begins to say some things to them. He goes, guys, listen, I, I want to tell you something. See, Jesus knows what's ahead of him, his future. And he knows what's ahead for these guys, these men that he's poured his life into. He knows what's ahead for his disciples. Jesus knows what's ahead for you. He wants you to know something this morning. He wants you to know something about serving. And so he takes some bread and he takes some wine like uh, Drew did a minute ago. It's just so exciting to watch him uh, up here again. You know, I've, he's changed so much. You know, he still said, I shake like a leaf. I said, well, I shake till I say something, then I'm fine. I, I get a little nervous too. But it's, it's neat to see that kind of stuff and watching him take, he's serving us. 
by trying to lead us. And he and what's he talk about? He's talking about how do we remember, just like Jesus in this passage, how do we remember the body and the blood of Christ? And so Jesus does the same thing. He takes some bread, he takes some wine, he says, Guys, this is my body. Fellas, this is my blood. And they're all and they're all and this is in the, is at the, in this meal. And then he says, the next time we're going to eat this and drink this, we're going to do it together in the kingdom of God. And you can just imagine them all going, it's about to happen. We're about to see it happen. The King of Kings is no more this Roman stuff. No more. They're still they still having trouble figuring this kingdom thing out. And then he drops a bomb right in the middle of their grinning. Oh, by the way, one of you guys is going to betray me. Huh? What? One of you guys, one of you guys is going to betray me. And, and if you read all the other accounts, and that's what I was doing back here before I walked out, I thought oh, maybe I ought to read Matthew, Mark, and Luke's accounts. And you see it right in the middle of this, this meal, in the middle of the Lord's Supper, he just ruins it with a statement. <laughs> it looks like he does. He's making them think about where they are with him. And you can just imagine the discussion. Who is it? Who is it? In fact, I think one of the gospels says, ask the master who it is. You know, John's right next to him, leaned up against him a little bit and goes, who is it? And Jesus goes, well, it's the person that dips their hand in this bowl. And this and it takes bread with me. Everybody's been doing that. And so they're talking. Is it? Is it? It's not me. Someone go, looks at and, and they hear somebody maybe get a little loud and go, it's, well, it's not going to be me. Maybe Peter. Because he... In this Lord's Supper, that's what he does. He says, I'll never deny you. He, that's part of what's going on here. And you can just imagine, well, I wouldn't do anything like that. And someone looks over across the room. They're trying to figure out who it is. Who's got the shifty look in their eye? And somebody goes, what are you looking at me like that for? I, I would never do that. I'm much better disciple than you realize. In fact, I think I'm pretty good amongst this group. And then the discussion starts turning. Well, oh, you think you're pretty cool. I think, hey, listen. I, I've not had any doubts like you, Tom. Well, why are you, what are you trying to say? Just say it. And, this, this, it. and here it goes. The bickering begins. And all of a sudden, you know, I can just, John's watching this. He's, he's here. He's recording this. And he's leaned up against Jesus like this, you know. And all of a sudden, what's, where's Jesus going? He's, where's he going? And in the middle of their little bickering and whining, he's walking over. And he takes off his robe. And he puts this towel around his waist, pours some water, and he walks over and he just starts. I don't know where he starts. I, uh, uh, William Barclay said this in his little commentary. I love it. We don't know where Jesus started, but we know who started speaking. It was Peter. He was the first guy to speak up. You know, we don't know where he started, but here he is. He starts working his way around. Maybe he starts with John because he's quiet. He's not talking. He don't even. He's not even in the discussion anymore. He's looking at that, going, "What are you doing?" And then he, and then all of a sudden, somebody else notices, and somebody else notices, and the air, the oxygen, is just taken out of the room. It goes from this, and all you can hear is that water dripping as Jesus rings it. You know that's quiet, real quiet, and they're all going, "What is going on?" Nobody dare say a word. He works his way around. He's washed the feet of John. I don't know. That's probably where I'd start because John just never leaves him. John just loves him to death, you know, right to the cross. He's going to take care of his mom. 
He's one of his trusted guys. He gets around to Thomas. Thomas is going to struggle with some doubts, but you can't tell. Jesus washes those feet as if everything's just cool. He knows their hearts. See, they're clean men. He works his way around to Matthew, them crusty old old people feet. You say, what are you talking about, Tim? Some of you young ones, I have old people feet. They're not pretty. They're smelly. They're gnarly. They remind me of my great-grandpa's feet. I'm, just kidding. I'm not kidding. They're old people feet. And so he's washing Matthew's. I, I tend to think Matthew may have been older. So he, play with me. He's, he washes his feet. He works his way around now to Judas and washes his feet. Not a word. Not a look. Dries him off. Gets to Peter. And after a little argument, he finishes with Peter, right? Then he gets up. And he walks over and he puts his takes every puts it all back down, put, puts his robe back on, walks back, sits down, and then he says, "Do you understand what I just did?" And nobody's answering him. You call me Lord, you call me teacher, and you're right. I think Luke says, "You know, I'm your teacher, and I, should the should the." Master at the table. Who should get more honor? The master at the table or the servant? And what's the answer? Well, the master at the table. Because you call me Lord. You call me teacher. You call me master. He's basically saying, I should be getting honored tonight. This is about remembering me. But you know what? I'm While you're worried about who's important, I want to remind you of what's important. While you're thinking about Who's going to be great? Can I tell you, I want to help you figure out what is great because that makes you truly great. And it's service. He says, I, your master, I'm your master. I'm I'm the master at the table. I'm the one who should be honored. But I, he says in Luke, am a servant among you. And you think about it. That's all Jesus modeled for these guys constantly was service. The way he treated others. And so again, I, I, I had down a thought while they're talking about the betray, about who's the betrayer, he's saying, let me tell you who's the best or what's the best. And it's this life that I call you to, to have the courage and the faith to pick up the towel. I ask myself when I looked at this, uh, for me, and this may be just a lesson for me, okay? I, why is Jesus willing to do something no one else is willing to do? Because they all got dirty feet. You know, you, typically, and if, you know, if you're familiar with, again, with Bible traditions and, and the Bible times, you, you wore sandals and the roads, the roads were dirty, dusty, and if it rained, they were muddy, and it wasn't just dirt. There was animal stuff in there of the dirt. I grew up on a farm, I've stepped in a lot of meadow muffins, cow patties, and the stuff goes between your toes, and it doesn't come out. You've got to wash it off. So they're, they're walking, and everybody walked then, and, and when you come into a room, usually there's somebody there to wash your feet as you walk in. Well, there's nobody there. No, there's a basin. There's a towel. There, every, the water's there, but there, everybody looks past it, and everybody's going in. Even the master walks in. The last guy that should be doing the job. 
and they're all sitting around and nobody's really excited about nobody wants to do that. And I ask myself, why does Jesus do what no one else will do? Why does the head of the table wash the feet of people, of men who are ignorant, immature? Some will deny him. Some will betray him. I asked myself this question. Would I serve these guys? Would I serve them knowing what they're going to do to me? I got to tell you, I don't think I would have. That's how far apart I am right there with the Lord. I'm like, you see, there's lots of reasons to serve in the kingdom. Lots of motives. I've been in the kingdom a long time now. And I'm telling you, I've, I know. And it's not from watching some of you. It's just watching me. And I just wonder, anybody here identify with any of these? I want to air some dirty laundry today. I just want to tell you some of the motives I've had. Some of the motives I had when I've served are motives like guilt. Somebody has guilt and shamed me into doing something that I really don't want to do. They'll say, oh, don't you think we ought to do oh, Tim, after everything I've done for you, don't you think you should? And I'll do it with guilt. Or I'm pressured. There's times I've served because of pressure from my friends, from my Christian friends. They're saying, oh, everybody else is doing this. You should be doing this. Why aren't you doing this? You should be doing this because we all are and you should too. And I feel like my arm gets twisted off. I cannot be the only person in this room that's felt this. But let's just talk about me. Sometimes it's out of duty. Sometimes, well, it's got to be done. Right? It's got to be done. There it is. It's not getting done. It's just got to be done. Is that a bad motive? Not necessarily. But it's not the greatest motive. It's not the greatest reason to serve. And there's times I've served a lot of times because I, the only thing, the, the body's willing, but the spirit is weak. The opposite. Or the, the, I could, but I don't really want to. Sometimes I've served be, to, because I'm, it's a competition. I want to outdo the other servant. I want to show them. I want to compare. And sometimes I serve just because it's just satisf- it really satisfying when you help someone. That's not a bad motive. That's actually not bad at all. And there's times I've, I've served for that motive, that reason. There's times I've, I've served to get attention and to get recognition. There's a book by Charles Sw- uh, Chuck Swindle called Improving Your Serve, I got it early in my Christian life and there's a little poem in there and I tried to find it. All I can do is I have lost that book. 
So I've had to buy another copy. And you know what's going to happen when I get the copy. I'll find the old book. Yeah. And but in there, there's a little poem there called I Wonder. And it goes something like this. You know, Lord, how I serve you in the spotlight on the stage. And I gladly serve you when I'm in charge of a Bible study or I'm or I'm chairing a committee in my church. But I wonder. Would I serve you? I wonder, would I wash the feet of an old woman when no one noticed and no one ever knew? Oh, man. There's a lot of motives. You know, I uh, if I don't get an attaboy or a pat on the back or some kind of recognition, I get bothered. That That's a dead giveaway that I'm looking for recognition and credit. You see, Jesus didn't serve these guys. He didn't serve his disciples for any of these reasons. He didn't do it because of guilt or pressure or duty or or competition. He wasn't doing it to shame them. He wasn't doing it to rub their nose in it. Look what I did, you bunch of lazy guys. No, he doesn't do that. It's not about that. It never was about that. He isn't doing this to embarrass them, although it is embarrassing. He wasn't doing it to embarrass them. Though there's something else at the center of his heart, the center of the servant, like Isaiah talks about, growing up like a tender shoot, my servant. And he bears the sins of everyone, this servant. There's something in his heart. What is it? Well, John tells us, and he tells us, if you look here in John 13, 1 in the NIV, this is the older translation of it. I love the way it says this. Jesus knew that at the time he had come to leave the world, go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The Greek word behind this or the, the, the Greek structure behind this phrase showing them the full extent of his love means he loved them to the utmost. To the end is what we've a lot of translations go to the end. It's just constant. It's we see here the grace and mercy of God on display and he wants Jesus wants his disciples to have this same love and he wants you and I to have it too the apostle Paul he wasn't in the room he didn't get to see all this go down okay he wasn't in the room but here's here's what he believed here's what he said he got it he figured it out he knew what God had done for him and what Jesus had done for him and knew what it meant he says these words in Philippians 2 in your lives you must think and act like Christ Jesus And for the rest of us that weren't in the room, we're called to think and act like Jesus. What's that mean? Have the same attitude, have the same heart. And and he goes on to explain here in the easy to read version. He was like God in every way, but he did not think that being equal with God was something to use for his own benefit. Instead, he gave up everything. I, I circled that and underlined it this morning going, Everything, he gave up 
everything. And just to give us what everything was, even his place with God, he accepted the role of a servant. He gave, he gave up his status. He gave up the clean, pure, clean holiness of heaven and come down to this filthy, dirty, broken world. He, he's so far away, no one can touch him, no one can really see him, now, no one can hear him, and now he can be seen and heard and touched and hurt and killed. How do I develop a heart like that? How do I develop a heart of a servant that lives like Jesus? This is a hard question. Let me take a stab at this from the passage. Number one, I watch and imitate how Jesus serves. I am a student of the servant. I really watch how he... How does he treat people? What does he say? How does he respond? How does he react? What's on his mind? Jesus said this. He goes, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. He's saying, I've set you an example. So watch. Let let my example encourage you to serve like I I want you to serve. In 1 John, here's John, again, eyewitness. He's the eyewitness of what happened in that room. He says this, if we say we are his, we must follow the example of Christ. See, servanthood is attached to discipleship. Whether or not I'm a Christian or not, whether whether I claim, if I claim to follow him, and and he says, man, you've got to follow this example. I don't follow this example. I can't claim to be the Christian that that I'm claiming to be. It's so connected. And Peter, another guy in that room, look what he says. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. And you must follow in his steps. If I want to serve like Jesus, I want to have his heart, I've got to walk with him. I've got to follow his steps. You know, there's not enough snow on the ground today. But when I was a kid, I remember we got about 12 inches and then we got about six inches the next day. And we're out in the farm taking care of the pigs. And dad would, would walk. He'd say, follow me. And I'm, as a little kid, you can't. The snow's too deep. I, dad, I can't. I, just step into my steps. And some of those steps stretched me. I got all in bed, man. They were big steps. And you know what I love about my father was this, is that sometimes he would step closer the steps would be closer because so he, he knew that's what I could handle. He wanted me to follow. He didn't want me to get stuck. He wanted me to go forward. He wanted me to be with him. And so I learned to walk in his steps so I wouldn't be stuck. So he'd get some things done. So if I, if I, really, want, if I really want to have this heart of service, it means I've really got to observe and imitate. Watch how Jesus serves and, and imitate it. How do I do? How, what, what can I do? What's something I can do to him? Well, one is, I suggest you read the Gospels. We read we read the Gospels with a spiritual or a physical eye to go. What does he do? What is he really doing? Putting myself beside him, experiencing what he's experiencing as I read the Gospels. You know, I meet by doing that, I meet the people he meets. And I can see the I I can identify some of those people as people I meet. 
And I pay attention to his words. And most of all, I watch closely just how he treated people. Another thing I can do is to watch the Lord and imitate the Lord is find some books on Jesus. That just talk. Uh, I ordered a book. Uh, I think N.T. Wright's got a book. And Alan, you're the N.T. guy, N.T. Wright guy. Simply Jesus. Yeah. And I ordered that book. I mean, I'm, uh, I've got I've got books like this. I'll read occasionally and I'll look at them and go and I marvel at it. Um, there's one called Jesus and the Twelve. And he actually talks about what happened in this in this upper room. What Jesus is trying to do to these guys. There's a book that, that uh, we've had for years. We've used 30 Days with Jesus by DPI. And, uh, and the, I don't know, it may be out of print, but these are these are some of the books that um, that you can read. I just ordered a book called Serving as Jesus Served by Michelle Howe. I don't know what it's about, but the title grabbed me. If I want to be a servant, I want to I want to know who Jesus is. I watched a, watched a, you've seen the movie Citizen Kane. And it starts off with all those, and they're saying, "Yeah, we know what what we know what he did, but do we know the man? What do we? What was his last words? Rosebud, there must be a clue of what he's about. And they, and the movie leaves you wondering, what was that really about? Well, I can look at Jesus and look at his last words and figure out. I as I follow him, as I read about him, I can learn so much about who he is." And what he does. Another thing I can do is I can join, I can join those that uh, follow Christ's example. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example just like I follow Christ's. You know, YouTube came through again for me this week. I'm looking for how to put a starter on uh, Chrysler Town and Country because uh, my son's. Uh, or not starter, but a alternator. It quit working, and his he couldn't battery wouldn't charge, so he couldn't start it. And so I started looking on YouTube, and here's this fella. Okay, here's how you change an alternator on a 2013, same year, town and country. I'm watching. I watched the video several times. This guy's just like me, just like you, regular person, not a mechanic. And he goes, this is how you do it. You take this bolt, take that bolt, move that out of the way, move this out of the way. I'm going, it can't be that easy. It's that easy when you see somebody doing it that's like you. And it's sometimes, it's, sometimes you just need to go with somebody and watch them serve and go, oh, here I thought we were just going to come from set up chairs. Oh, now I see what you're doing. You're doing a lot more than that. There's more going on than having, you know, a dinner with someone or, or helping somebody with their car or helping somebody get a ride. There's a lot more. I learn and I see some things I don't see until I get in the game and actually do some serving that I see looking at others I see in myself that I could see in myself. Well, I could do that. I could do that too. And so I watch these servants in our church. These people, I go, that's a servant. I'm going to watch and ask and I'm going to talk to them so what are we doing and why are we doing this and how, how did you know about this how did you figure this out one of the things my, my son said to me he goes how, did you, how do you know it's the alternator I'm sorry that's a trade secret I won't kill you 
Well, I know because of this and this and this. Well, these are little details I wouldn't have, he wouldn't have got unless he was with someone that was doing it. And there's little details that help me serve better when I'm simply walking with somebody that follows the example of a, serv- of a servant like Christ. Number two, I appreciate how much God has loved me. I value how much God has loved me. I recognize how much God has loved me. I accept how much God has loved me. I am moved by how much God has loved me. I'm ca- I count the different ways that God has loved me. Because when I start seeing how much and all the ways he's loved me, this thing called gratitude just begins to take root in my heart. You know, Jesus was ready to go back to the Father. And what's he want to do? He wants to serve. His relationship with his Father is so one. His love of the Father is so good between he and his Father. He's saying, he's, he wants to serve. And when I come in contact with all the love of God, you see, guys, if, if it requires love to serve, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. You say, you mean you never serve out of love? Well, yeah, I serve out of love. Certain people. My wife said, why did you do that alternator? Why did you put that alternator on for him? I said, because I love him. He must learn. I love him. Why? Why did you do that? It wasn't a good enough answer. I figured, I must have not said it right. Because I love him. I love him a lot. There's no other reason. There was no other reason. He needs that van. My grandbabies are in that van. They got to get to school. They got, they got to get to McDonald's. I love my grandbabies. But I'm not sure if I'd fix your car. Just saying. Love has limits. Have you ever noticed that about you? You have limits to what you're going to do? The disciples said, I ain't washing anybody's feet. Jesus says, I will. I will. He says, do you understand what I've done for you? See, that's a real good question for those who want to serve like Jesus. Because it's my understanding of how he served me that really helps me serve. When it's tough. When it's just unbearable. When I'm tired. When I start thinking about he emptied himself. He gave up everything for me. I could do this. It motivates me. See, sometimes I don't have enough love to serve. I need more than the love I've got. See, John, look at John. and, and the, We know John, one of the, he, he had trouble loving people. Called down lightning. There's a guy that's got a problem. What'd you say? I want him to die. Man, we had to work on that love there, okay? You know, and he did, and and it changed him when he realized how much he was. He became the apostle of love because he began to recognize how much God loved him. And if I see, I need more of God's. I need I need God's love to fill in the gaps where my love falls short. And how do I get that with a relationship with God? It starts by being a Christian. It starts by saying, surrendering. It starts, it starts by listening to him when he says he loves me and believing it. Accepting it. 
actually taking it with me and using it in those moments where I don't feel very lovable. I wrote this down. God's love for me helps me. God's love that He gives to me, He promises to help me give to anyone. Look at the, here's, again, here's a guy that was in the room. Look what he says in 1 John. We are able to love God and other people because God loved us first. He goes, that's why. He's filled me up with His love. I'm able to love God back. Why? Who would want to love God back after everything? Sure, but other people? That, it's not based on their love. It's based on God's love. And by having more of God's love, realizing how much, how really loved I truly am, it helps me to love where I lack love. I wrote this down. Jesus did for them what he's done for me. Jesus did for his disciples what he's done for me. That's how I should see this as servants. Everything Jesus did for his disciples, he's also done for me. Left heaven, come to earth, set his crown aside, took his robe off, was beaten, mocked, rejected, killed, surrenders his, his status, sets aside his will, not my will, but yours be done, Father, he, he prays. He gets dirty and filthy so I can be clean. You ever, you ever washed your car? You ever noticed how dirty you are after you've cleaned your car? Do you realize that the only feet are dirty in that room are the Lord's? He comes into our filth. He comes into our mess. He comes into our dirt. He comes into our sin and goes, I'm cleaning you up. I'm going to, I'm in the washing. Talk about the car wash business. Jesus is in the big car bit. You know what I'm saying? He's in the soul washing business. And he says, I'm going to, I'm washing you clean. But he has to get filthy in order for it to happen. And, and who does Jesus serve? Who are you serving, Lord? Well, you're, uh, I know you're serving God. And what's God do? God says, the Bible says in Philippians 2, after he's become this servant, then God sets him in the highest place because of his service, what he gave up. But see, he doesn't just serve God. He serves me. He serves you. What do you do with him? What do you do with him? God's put him in the highest place. Where do I put Jesus, this servant? See, I can't pay it back. It's impossible to pay it back. But I can pay it forward. And that's what service does. I can serve others. I can serve. God promises to lift me up. I, yeah, but I can serve others. Paul said it this way. But whatever I am now is all because God poured out such kindness and grace upon me. Because I, I'm at the place I am from worse sinners to saved. What I'm doing now because of the, the grace of God the kindness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God that was poured on me. And it wasn't without results. 
You say, well, yeah, you're, you're clean, you're saved. Oh, Tim, there's more. What? I've worked harder than all the other apostles. Are you bragging? No, I'm saying that this grace had such an impact on me. I was able to do stuff I couldn't, I couldn't even do on my own. He says, yet actually it wasn't, I wasn't actually doing it, but God working in me to bless me. It was God's love. So full of it. I've, I've got, I've learned, I've learned and realized and acknowledged it and see it so much in my life. It just starts. I'm filled with energy I didn't have. I'm not as fatigued. I'm not as selfish. I see something. I'm going to do it. Not out of duty. Not out of, oh, I'm guilt because I'm such a sinner and as I'm going to pay back. No, not out of shame. No, because of, of the love of God. The love of God. So I watch my Lord. I watch how he serves. I want to imitate that. I, and, I, and I begin to value and begin to find ways to experience and understand which is so deep, so wide, so it's so it's beyond our imagination. But still, try to get this idea of how much I'm loved by God, and let it motivate me and make up the difference where I fall short. And the third thing I do is I just choose I just serve I choose to serve Jesus. I'm going to do it like Jesus. I start somewhere and just start serving. Better yet, I start in the room wherever wherever that room is. Like our Lord, oh, there's all this going on. He just gets up and just starts serving. He says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. He says, you can be blessed beginning right now. Just start serving. I don't know what it is, but whenever there's one of the things next week, you know, what happens when you pick up the towel? One of the things that happens when you serve others, it just does you feel great. I've been depressed, discouraged before, just feeling awful, and then I'll help somebody, and it's like somebody flipped a switch. I feel so good. How could this? Well, he says you'll be blessed if you serve. You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but Peter, again, here's a guy in the room. Here's the, look what he says here. He's telling us something about how we ought to be good stewards of the love we've received from God. And how do you become, how are you a good steward of the love that you receive from the Lord? Well, Peter says it this way. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I've been given this love and now God wants me to manage it and use it wisely. And how? Doing good to others. Serving others. I recognize these blessings. I recognize these gifts that God has given me. And it's through his love. And, and, and by that, I, I decide I'm going to manage this. And wh- what am I going to do? Well, I'm simply going to use them. I'm going to keep them for myself. I'm going to use them. I'm going to decide to be the servant in the room. I don't choose guilt and gratitude anymore. I don't let pressure do that. If there's any pressure, it's... It's like what Paul would say, the love of God constrains us to do what we're doing. Let me ask you, what's in your heart this morning? What room, what room is God calling you 
to be a servant of. He says, you call me Lord, you call me Master, I've left you an example. You should do that to each other. I love Ephesians 5. Again, here's Paul. He figured it out. He says, you are God's dear children, so try to be like him. And he says, live a life of love. Love others just as Christ loved us. How are you going to do that, church? I'll tell you how we're going to do that this year. We're going to learn to serve, be servants. Look for those dirty feet. Don't worry about your feet like the master. Don't be so concerned about what you're going to get. But let, let, be a Christian that says, I'm going to be more concerned about what's important and what, what, what's, what's great. And that's a life of service. You have a card in your bulletin. It's a simple card that if you want to respond to this lesson with a prayer request or a decision you want to make, I want to urge you to be able to do that. We're going to sing a song, give you time to do that. Of course, you can take your cards, and if you're wanting to contribute, you know you can leave it in the baskets there on these tables as you leave. May God bless you as you see opportunities, as God opens your eyes to see opportunities to serve. And I pray that you'll pick up the towel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for the, the love that you have just poured out on us. And we want to have an impact. We, we, it has an impact when we start realizing this. So, Father, give us a servant's heart. Give us a, the kind of heart that, that serves out of our great love for you. Help us, lo- help us have that love that spills over into when we look at neighbors or co-workers or people that we just would not even notice before that your love will fill us and and help us focus on those around us and serve them in a pleasing way to be used to show them your love Boy, if there's ever a time father your servants we know you need us right now to be showing lots of love in our nation We just pray you give us the power and the passion and the help we need to pick up the towel. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I'm so secure. You're here with me. You stay.
You'll never let me go. 